0: Good morning, church family, and welcome to our second and final week in our study of the epistle of 2 John, as today we will be looking at verses 7 through 13, which picks up right where we left off last week, where the focus in the text in verses 1 through 6 revolved around the themes of walking in the truth, or walking according to the commandments of God. And thus when the Apostle John heard that some at this church, this church in which he was writing to, were already walking in the truth. And having their lives be consistently and intimately conformed to the truth of God's word, it says in verse 4 that he, the Apostle John, rejoiced. And he rejoiced, quite frankly, church, because these individuals didn't fall for or follow the lies or the wickedness or the deceptions of the false teachers. But they instead just kept walking in the truth of God's word, in the truth that they, verse 5, have heard from the very beginning that they are to love one another. Not hate one another or walk in the way of Cain like the false teachers do, but instead to just keep walking in the commandments of God and love one another just as Jesus Christ loved them. Because, and again, as we saw last week, for the Apostle John, truth and in love, they go hand in hand. For they cannot be separated from each other, set apart from each other, or divorced from each other. For as the late English clergyman Alfred Plummer put it, love divorced from duty will run riot, and duty divorced from love will starve. Therefore, our love for God, Christian, cannot be just something that we say. Nor can it be just something that we feel, nor can it be just something that we think. And I say that because for the Christian, the word love, it is an action word. For it is something that must be observable in our lives. And thus for us as Christians to love God, it is for us to keep his commandments. For the Christian life, according to the Apostle John, is so simple. For it is, in essence, that those who love God and who love the gospel of Jesus Christ, they keep his commandments. And those who keep the commandments of God love those who love the gospel because Jesus gave us the commandment that we as Christians are to love one another just as he, Jesus Christ, loved us. However, as I mentioned last week, the Apostle John is writing here to a particular church body who is dealing with a certain dilemma, That dilemma being, how then are these Christians to balance truth and love when these aforementioned false teachers show up at their door and ask for a place to stay and a meal to eat? And this is so critical because these false teachers are literally traveling around and blaspheming our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and trying to pull others within this church community away from the truth of the gospel. Therefore, how then is this church congregation to walk in truth and in love when these false teachers do come knocking at the door, which is the subject area in which the Apostle John deals with in the text this morning and which takes us to our thesis statement this morning or the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this church. Christian, keep yourself grounded in the teachings of Jesus Christ and stay away from false teachers. Because whoever supports a false teacher and his deceptions takes part in his wickedness. Again, Christian, keep yourself grounded in the teachings of Jesus Christ and stay away from false teachers. Because whoever supports a false teacher and his deception takes part in his wickedness. Thus, at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up to the epistle of 2 John, as we will be looking at verses 7 through 13 this morning. Now, if you are joining us this morning and do not own a Bible, please know that is okay because there is a Bible now in every chair in this sanctuary. Let's please feel free to grab one, for they are located in the chairs in front of you, and to keep it, for that is our gift to you this morning. The only thing we ask is that you read it, beginning today, as in right now, by turning to page 1025 and joining us as we hear the Word of God together this morning. Again, our text this morning comes from the epistle of Second John, as we will be looking at verses 7 through 13. For the Apostle John, he writes... For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the father and the son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting for whoever greets him and takes part part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, Lord, how good it is to gather gather as your church body this morning to sing songs of praise to you, to to pray to you, and now to hear the preaching of your word. Father, I pray that your word this morning convicts our hearts, Lord, soften our hearts this morning to be able to receive your word. Open our ears and our eyes this morning to be able to see and to hear your word. And give us the motivation, Father, the feet, Father, to walk according to your commandments. For that is how the world will observe that we love you. And Father, I pray for help this morning. Father, give me the words to speak to this dear flock, to build this congregation up in truth and in love. Father, I pray that the words I speak be true, that they be glorifying to you and bold and yet humble, that they have complete confidence in who you are, the God of the universe who cannot lie and has given your wonderful revelation to the church. Work within us this morning, we pray. And we ask that the preaching of your word, Lord, that it is an offering that is glorifying to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Christian, keep watch and guard yourself against false teachers so that you may win a full reward. Christian, keep watch and guard yourself against false teachers so that you may win a full reward. Verses 7 and 8. John writes, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. So we can see here, church, why the Apostle John rejoiced so immensely in verse 4, that some at this church were continuing to be diligent and to walk according to the commandments of God. And it is because, verse 7, many deceivers have gone out into the world. So just as there were Christian missionaries who were out there and going town to town during this time and teaching and preaching and proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God and the only propitiation for our sins, unfortunately, there were also those who were working for the other guy, for Satan, a.k.a. false teachers who were going out into the world in verse 7, not confessing the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Or as the NASB puts it, not acknowledging Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. In essence, not confessing or acknowledging Jesus as the incarnate Son of God. Not confessing or acknowledging that the Christ, the Messiah, that God himself really took on human flesh and dwelt among us. And thus, in essence, not confessing or acknowledging the very gospel of Jesus Christ. And thus, as the saying goes, if it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, then it must be a duck. So, too, if one doesn't affirm the true gospel, preaches another gospel, and tries to deceive others into believing that false gospel, well, then the apostle John, he is going to call it as he sees it. For he writes in verse 7, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Now, just as a point of clarity here, similar to that of 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, John is not calling the false teachers here the Antichrist, as in the one who Daniel called the prince who is to come in Daniel 9, or the one who Paul referred to as the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2, or the one who is the eschatological or end times adversary of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But instead, John is affirming here that these false teachers possess, if you will, the same spirit as the Antichrist, since they are by definition Antichrist or against Jesus Christ. And thus what we have here, church, is not only a group of individuals who are vehemently against Jesus Christ and who resisted the teaching of Jesus Christ and who actively wanted to pervert the message of Jesus Christ by outwardly denying the very testimony of God himself about his son, Jesus Christ, but who also, verse 7, are deceivers and who have made it their goal to try to trick and entrap and swindle others into believing their heresies as well. Therefore, it is with all that in mind, dear church, that the Apostle John exhorts this dear congregation in verse 8 to watch yourselves, to watch out, to be on guard, and to be mindful of these false teachers and their wicked and false teaching which in all honesty, church, is a timeless and abiding and enduring truth that we as Christians must always, always, always be on guard against the lies of the evil one. David Burgess, he shared this story about an English captain whose son had confessed faith in Jesus Christ and thus was received as a member of the church. However, while sitting in the cabin of his ship with his son that evening, the captain, anxious to deepen his son's conviction in the faith, said to his son, Why don't you light that cabin candle and then go out onto the deck with the, with the candle still burning and do your best to not let it be put out? But father, said the son, If I go out onto the deck, the wind will surely blow it out. Just go, said the father. But again, do your best to not let the wind blow your candle out. And the son did as he was told. And with much effort and watchfulness and shielding and maneuvering, the son succeeded in keeping the flame burning and returned the candle still lit and glowing brightly to his father. And thus his father said to him, Son, even so it is with life. For you have confessed faith in Jesus Christ and are now a member of the church. However, your faith is still small and still frail. And you are going out into a big and tempting world that will surely try to snuff your faith out. Therefore, you must be sure to watch over it. Guard it, protect it day in and day out from the evils of this world. And thus with these aforementioned false teachers and deceivers, and antichrist out there, church, make no mistake, No effort you make to keep watch over your faith is too much. No theological detail you try to discern is too small. And no personal boundary you set up in order to keep yourself in the love of God is too great. If it keeps you from wandering off into Satan's lies, giving in to the desires of the flesh, and worshiping a world that is ultimately passing away. And I say that because for the Apostle John he does not, under any circumstance, want any Of his readers, verse 8, to lose what we have worked for, but to instead win a full reward. For that is the Apostle John's ultimate desire for his readers here. Now, I know you might be sitting there thinking, well, what exactly does that mean? That the Apostle John does not want his readers to lose what we have worked for, but to instead win a full reward. And although there are some differences of opinions here among scholars, When keeping the context of this letter in mind, it seems most likely that the Apostle John, the man who wrote his gospel so that his readers may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing they may have life in his name, John 20, and the man who wrote his first epistle so that his readers may know that they have eternal life, 1 John 5. It seems as though the last thing that the Apostle John wants to see happen to his readers or to those who have heard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for them to now turn from that truth and to not receive, as Colin Cruz put it, the reward of eternal life. Because at this stage in John's life, it is his heart's desire for his dear readers, verse 8, to simply win the full reward and to receive the gift that is eternal life life therefore we must never be mistaken church because the only way we as Christians may win a full reward and receive the gift of eternal life is by persevering day in and day out and by never ever ever letting go to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ since only the one who endures until the very end church will be saved Matthew 24 therefore brother Christian sister Christian in the hearing and now we must keep our eyes fixed on the faith that we have heard from the very beginning on the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints and be diligent to endure and persevere and stand firm in that faith church no matter the cost to simply press on in all that we do for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus our Lord since it is church only those who endure until the very end that will be saved therefore press on, church, day in and day out in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you, too, may win the greatest and most glorious reward imaginable, that being eternal life with your Savior, your Lord, and your God, Jesus Christ. Which brings us to point number two, church. Christian, do not supplant the teaching of Christ. With the heresy of the false teachers. Instead, turn from it. Christian, do not supplant the teaching of Christ with the heresy of the false teachers. Instead, turn from it. Verses 9 through 11. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. So as we saw in verse 8, John exhorted his readers to watch yourselves or to watch out, or to be on guard against false teachers so that they may not lose what they have worked for, but instead win the full reward and receive the wondrous gift of eternal life. And this exhortation that the Apostle John gives to his readers is so vital Because he knows in verse 9 that everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Or that everyone who does not continually persevere in the teachings of Christ, but who instead wander off into unorthodox, unfounded, and untrue teachings about Christ, these people, they do not have God. And the Apostle John, he likely has the false teachers in mind here who claim that they had received some kind of progressive or special or remarkable revelation from God, which in essence caused them to move past or to evolve past the teaching that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, which ultimately, church, is at its core the mark of the false teacher. For the false teacher doesn't abide or remain or affirm the historical or orthodox teachings of Christ. But they instead deny those teachings and add to those teachings and rewrite those teachings to fit their own views and their own preferences and their own agendas. And the result of this church, as the Apostle John lays out in verse 9, whoever does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Because you see, church, you can't say that you have been saved by God if you reject Jesus as the Son of God. Nor can you say that you have fellowship with God if you refuse to submit to God's Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord. Nor can you say that you are a child of the Most High God if you run to the Pope or Muhammad or Buddha as your mediator between you or God. Because as John writes in verse 9, only those who abide in the teaching of Christ have both the Father and the Son and thus if you don't abide solely in the teaching of Christ that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, that Jesus is the Savior of the world and Lord of all, that Jesus is the one and only mediator between God and man, a.k.a. if you don't believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ but you instead add to the gospel take away from the gospel or rewrite the gospel, then quite frankly you are not abiding in the gospel, but you are instead abiding in the lies of the false teachers in the deceptions of the deceivers and the blasphemes of the antichrist. And thus these false teachers and their false teachings, they must be taken serious, church, for they are literally an eternal danger to your soul. Because for to listen to one or to abide in one, or to follow one of them through the wide gate, I am telling you, church, it leads only to that of destruction and death. Therefore, if a false teacher, then a false teacher who is peddling a message that has the potential to kill you, comes knocking at your door, the apostle John writes in verses 10 and 11, Do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now I understand, church, you might be sitting there this morning thinking, man, that seems kind of rude. That if anyone comes to us and does not bring with them this teaching, a.k.a. the gospel, then we aren't to receive them into our house or give them a greeting. But isn't that like counter to what we as Christians have been called to do, since we as Christians are called to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, Matthew 5, and to go into the world and to proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, Mark 16. And thus, how can these verses jive with what the Apostle John is telling us to do, that if a false teacher comes to us, that not only are we not to receive them into our house, but on top of that, we shouldn't even give them a greeting. And honestly, it's a fair question, church. Therefore, before I try to answer it, let me first share with you what the Apostle John is not saying here to his readers. For the Apostle John is not saying to his readers here that we as Christians shouldn't receive any family members into our homes who are not believers or who don't affirm the teaching of Christ. John is not saying that. Nor is John saying that we as Christians shouldn't invite our atheist friends over for dinner to love them and to share the gospel with them and to pray that God would lead them to repentance. John is not saying that. Nor is John saying that we as Christians shouldn't take in a homeless man who has rejected the ways of God and who is hostile toward the things of God in order to sacrificially show him the love of God. John is not saying that either. However, what the Apostle John seems to have in mind here is a situation that would be similar to this. For as Douglas O'Donnell writes, Imagine two Jehovah Witnesses knock at your door. They introduce themselves and share what movement they are from. And thus it is at that moment you know that these men deny the deity of Jesus Christ and his physical resurrection. Nevertheless, you dismiss those differences and embrace them with a holy kiss and a salvation-sharing greeting of grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and in love. Then you say to them, come in, come in. Please make yourselves at home. Can I get you some coffee or tea? Then imagine that you, after your charitable conversation ends, you invite them to stay the night so that they could preach at your church the next day. And then as they sleep, you call the church treasurer and ask them to cut a check for tomorrow's guest preachers. And then you also email the missions committee to see if they could be added as a regularly supported missionary at your church and that your church could surprise them with that news during the service the very next day. In essence, as Douglas O'Donnell concludes, home owning Christians should not house traveling heretics, and the local church should never provide a base for them for their anti gospel evangelism. For that is what the Apostle John has in mind here, church. That if a false teacher shows up at your door, then be wise. And do not welcome them into your house, support their ministry, and provide a home base for them as they go around and try to deceive the world. Because as the Apostle John writes in verse 11, whoever greets them, the false teachers takes part in their wicked deeds, meaning to welcome a false teacher into your house and to support them in their deceptions, to do so is to ultimately take part in their wicked deeds. And make no mistake, church, these are wicked deeds. And thus, just as you would never run an abortion mill out of your home, just as you would never harbor a drug lord on your property, and just as you... You would never allow human trafficking to take place under the roof in which you live, so too should you never, ever, ever, Christian, desire to support or to run a ministry out of your home that denies the incarnation, the atonement, and the very gospel of Jesus Christ. And thus, it is not unloving or unkind to not receive or to greet these false teachers, but it is instead the wisest and smartest and most loving thing a person can do. For it is to know that the message of these false teachers deceives and hurts and kills all that adhere to it. Therefore, to make sure that everyone who you love is never exposed to it, that is quite honestly the most loving thing that you could do. For it is why the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 16, I urge you brothers, watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Turn away from them because Paul knew that it is never loving to bring a pack of ravenous wolves into a sheepfold and to let them wreak havoc on the flock for that is a hateful thing to do. Thus Faith Bible Fellowship Church for us to walk in truth and to a walk in love is for us to keep those wicked wolves and their lies and their deception and their falsehoods away from this dear flock also that we do not become a den for deceivers but instead remain the church of the living god which is for e- which is and will forever be a pillar and a puttress of the truth Now, as we close this morning, I will begin with the non-Christian who is here first. And really, non-Christian, the question for you this morning comes down to this. Are you willing today to believe in the teaching of Christ? Are you willing today to believe in the only teaching that can reconcile you back to God the Father? Because to not believe in the teaching of Christ, but to instead believe the deceivers... And the Antichrist are those who say that everyone will simply be saved or that there are many ways that lead to eternal life or that you just have to be a good person and save yourself. That is quite honestly non-Christian to go down the path that leads to eternal death. For there is only one message that can save, and it is non-Christian, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message that God, who is perfect and holy and just and righteous and rich and mercy, sent his son Jesus Christ into the world as truly God and as truly man to save us from our wickedness and sin. And thus Jesus Christ, who is God, broke into this world and did for sinful man what we could never do. For he perfectly and completely and totally fulfilled the law of God for the people of God. Meaning he, Jesus Christ, lived a life here on earth that was without any sin. However, non-Christian, despite Jesus Christ fulfilling the law of God for the people of God, that in and of itself was not enough to reconcile a depraved and wicked and sinful people back into fellowship with a God who is holy and just and perfect. For a price still needed to be paid non-Christian, a sacrifice still needed to be made. And that payment, that sacrifice, it was the love of the perfect and righteous and sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ For Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross at Calvary and died a sinner's death in our very place. And it was this sacrifice, non-Christian, that paid the price for our sin. For this payment, this sacrifice of Jesus Christ dying on that cross, it perfectly appeased the wrath of a holy God toward his sinful children. And thus three days later, Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead and displayed to the world that he had defeated sin and crushed death and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus non-Christian let today be the day that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin and can clothe you in his perfect life and reckon Reconcile you back to God forever. For that is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, non-Christian, let today be the day that you spur and reject and turn from the deceptions of this world and place your faith in that message, for it is the only message, non-Christian, that will ever give you the greatest and most precious reward that mankind can ever know, that being the gift of eternal life with your God. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in the only Savior of the world, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And to the Christian who is here today, brother Christian, sister Christian, John closes his second epistle with these words from verses 12 and 13. For he writes, though, I have much to write to you. I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. In essence, John's saying that I have a ton more that I would like to tell you face-to-face, but I'd much rather just share these things to you when I get there so that our joy may be made complete. Because you see, church, truth and love, they are not just words to the apostle John, but truth and love, they are in essence the way of life, for the Apostle John. And because of that, for the Apostle John to be able to share the truth with this dear congregation face to face and to be able to fellowship together with them face to face, now that would make the Apostle John a very happy man. For he writes, it would make my joy complete because that is what truth and, in, and love naturally does to the Christian and to the church. For they bring about joy in our lives, however, after reading this text here, it instantly made me recall a conversation I had last week following the service. Because as Ken and I were standing at the back door chatting, a newer congregant came up to us and shared that after hearing the words of the Apostle John last week, that she became overwhelmed because she realized that this place, Faith Bible Fellowship Church, wasn't just a church body that loved her, but it was also a church body that she now felt naturally inclined to love right back because of our unity in the truth of the gospel. However, she then said something to me that was striking, for she said that this is also a place where she feels safe. Now, I didn't ask for an explanation as to why she feels safe here. However, I have to believe that at some level, it has to do with the fact that there are no wolves walking around here. I have to believe that at some level it has to do with the fact that there are no false preachers preaching themselves here. I have to believe that at some level it has to do with the fact that there are no deceivers trying to lead the sheep astray into the depths of hell here. I have to believe that at some level it has to do with the fact that this is not a den for dishonesty, a house for hypocrisy, or a dwelling for deceit. But instead this place is the church of the living God a pillar and a buttress of the truth where the gospel of Jesus Christ is unashamedly, unapologetically and uncompromisingly preached. Therefore, let us never forget, brother Christian, sister Christian, for any church to be a warm church or a loving church, a healthy church or a safe church, a blessed church or a joyful church, it must be a church that is foundationally built on the truth of the gospel. And thus, let it be our goal to not be a church that waters down that truth or rewrites that truth or ignores that truth in order to make sure that we are on the right side of history. But instead, let us be a church body with the backbone, with the courage and with the fortitude to emphatically sing the truth, unapologetically pray the truth, boldly preach the truth, and to vigorously live out the truth with each other in all that we do. Because if we do that as a church body and not go past the teaching of Christ, but instead continue to abide and persevere and walk fearlessly in the teachings of Christ, oh, our joy in the here and now, I can promise you, Christian, it will be made complete as we as a church body love and fellowship and commune together earnestly in the truth. It is my prayer that we as a church body just love one another in the truth. Because, Father, we are living in a world where people unite themselves with others based on who they voted for, based on their favorite football team, and yes, even based on the color of their skin. However, what bonds and joins and unites us as the children of God is our love for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, help us, Father, to be a church that builds itself up in that truth and in that truth alone. For we know, Father, there are wolves out there looking to deceive and trick and attack us. Therefore, if anyone comes to us and brings us a teaching that goes beyond the gospel, let us not receive it or fall captive to it. But instead, help us, Lord, to be quick to recognize these false prophets and to keep them away from this dear flock. For it is our desire as a church body to grow in your truth, God, together and to be a pillar. And a buttress of your truth within a world that desperately, desperately, desperately needs to receive it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we as brothers and sisters in Christ can walk in truth and in love together. We don't need to prioritize truth and be mean and hateful. We don't need to prioritize love and just be tolerant and accepting of each other's sins. But Father, we can have fellowship, real fellowship that leads to joy together in you. Because we are one in Jesus Christ by grace through faith in the gospel. Father, challenge us, encourage us to go out of our way, to love each other, and to stand with each other as these times get tougher and tougher. But Father, let us not fall away from the truth at any turn. For the, truth, for the church that loses the truth, they are not the church of Jesus Christ, for that is what unites us. Thus, let us cling to the truth in all that we do, cling to Christ in all that we do. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, let us love each other as Christ has loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.